beer is for the winter. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Welcome. Hey, hey. I understand you got to visit the Game of Thrones pop-up bar. I'm going to ask you about that a little bit more momentarily, but I can't wait to hear about it. Um, Jamie Giddens, welcome. It's been a while since you've been on the Geek Confidential podcast. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good. I, are you ready to discuss some White Walkers and Arya? Oh, yeah. You know it. Okay. <laughs> Returning to the podcast for the second time, author Jennifer Brody, whose third book in her Continuum trilogy, The United Continuums, was released on July 11th. Welcome back, Jennifer. I am so thrilled to be here. Yay, Game of Thrones! Right, but before we get to that, tell us a little bit about the book launch and the tour and what you're doing these days. Um, well, it just came out on the 11th. It's the third book in my trilogy, so it's kind of crazy. I'm like, wow, I did this. I wrote a whole series, and they're out there. So um, I just did my launch in Los Angeles, and then I'm headed down to San Diego next weekend um, for an event, the 29th at Mysterious Galaxy, which is this very cool, like, sci-fi fantasy bookstore Okay. Um, that everyone should check out. It's amazing. I will add it to my and, list. Yeah, and lots of cool things. The second book is coming out in Russia in August. I've got a lot of fans over there right now. And our film package finally came together with a screenwriter. So we're about to go pitch studios Congratulations. on the movie. So that's very exciting. Thank you. Yeah, keep your fingers crossed. I, I definitely am. I want to see it on that a big screen. That is awesome. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I can't say who's um, involved yet, but there's some pretty exciting big people. So I'm stoked. I am glad to hear that. And you're also teaching. Yes, I teach uh, writing classes for the Writing Pad, um, which has... Uh, schools in Los Angeles and San Francisco, and I teach their intro to novel and also a sci-fi fantasy workshop. One so of these it's days, I'm going students. to have to take that course. You should. We have a lot of fun. I just talk about all the things I love most. <laughs> well, one of the things you love a lot is Game of Thrones. What did you think of the season premiere? What's your first take, I should uh, say, on it? Well, the opening scene, I was basically jumping off my sofa and, like, cheering because I was like, oh, we're going there. Oh, it's back. I was like, murder is back. <laughs> so, yeah, Arya, Arya got me so excited in the beginning. I knew it was her right away. It was um, awesome. So, goodbye, phrase. <laughs> Jamie took me a while to convince you to watch, and then you finally read the books, mm -hmm. and then you got into the series. What were your first impressions of the sixth season premiere? Oh my gosh, I lost it. Um, the fact that it's the cold open was better than so much of full episodes of a lot of TV shows, even in this era of peak TV. Um, just the fact that, yeah, like Jennifer was saying, you knew it was Arya um, from the beginning because obviously it couldn't be Walter Frey after what she did to him in the season uh, finale. But what I really loved most is uh, her speech as Walder Frey, where she's like, 
you know, starting off where she's like praising them for helping to kill the Starks. And then you can, it goes into like shaming, you know, yes, yes, laugh, laugh, (laughs) cheer about how you slaughtered a pregnant woman and a mother of five. And it's like some of the, the, the women, the servants, you could tell they started to grasp something was amiss in Freyville, mm-hmm. but the but the men were so stupid. They're like, yeah, we slaughtered them. And it's like, um, yeah. you guys. <laughs> oh, what there was that great beat, too. I was going to say there was that great beat, because you brought the servants, where he tells the wife um, not to drink. Yes. Um, which really shows Arya's moral code, right? That she saved her. But the way she did it was so good, where she said, wine's not for women or something, which she said. Yes. They're not going to waste wine on a woman. And then she, you know, and then after it's all said and done, she like gives her this very quiet, I, this is what I want you to tell them. <laughs> Winter came for house prey and just calmly strolls out amongst these, you know, men who are like have spit up their guts i thought that was quite the way to kick off the new season so very excited very excited game of thrones is back mel the The north remembers exactly exactly (laughs) mel not only did the season premiere of game of thrones rock our socks but you got to visit the pop-up bar in washington dc which i had seen photos of like when there was promos for it and then i got to see yours like in actually inside being there and i was like i think i texted you it was like hashtag jealous or something like that (laughs) tell us a little bit about the pop-up bar and then your first impressions of uh the season premiere Okay, so the pop-up bar, it was really close to the university, close to Howard University, so um, we took the metro there. We got off the uh, metro, and the line is crazy long. And apparently, the line that we were in were, was quote-unquote short, because the line on the weekends like goes around the corner. So we waited about two hours in this line. It was crazy. But when you finally got there, it was so worth it. Every They had probably about four or so bars in there inside the one big bar and every bar was a different place like one was the Lannisters another one was the North the other place was the Dragons um I think the first one was the tree where Bran is and all of that and it was just so much fun they had like props you could take pictures with they had the Iron Throne um everybody had to sign up for it and whenever your time came you could go and you got five or no I think it was ten minutes to take as much pictures as you wanted to and if you seen my pictures i went total you were game of thrones pimping (laughs) i couldn't help myself everybody was just standing there and like smiling i'm like no this is the throne and i'm about to cut up jamie she had on fur coats like you're talking about wanting one day like she was full out pimping. it was a floor like chinchilla and um I had to show up. Peter, be damned. All right. (laughs) But it was so much fun. And then all the drinks in the bar were Game of Thrones themed. So there was one called The North Remembers. And there was another one called Dracarys. I had, and they gave you a little dragon with it. Um, there was a Lady Mormont, and that one's like, it was in a little baby teddy bear glass. Um, there's oh. one called the Lannisters Remember, and they it came, I think, with, um, like, a, the glass was a horn, and they had to get your, the glass back, so they took your license. Like, it was so much fun. And then probably my favorite drink, I didn't have it, but everyone was ordering it because there's a drink called Shame. So anytime someone ordered it, after the bartender finished making your drink, they would ring a bell and start yelling, shame, 
shame. And the whole bar starts yelling shame, shame, shame. It was so much fun, a blast. And you would think like it was crowded in there, but it wasn't like so crowded I can't move. We found seats. We just had a really great time. And after experiencing all of that, I can only imagine what it was like to watch the season premiere. What was your first impressions of it? Finally got to watch the season premiere, and it was fantastic. I know we've talked a lot about the cold open, which I agree with everyone. It was absolutely fantastic. You knew it was Aria from the way Waterface started talking, and I, I loved all of that. Um, I also liked a lot of John and uh, Sansa, where they're trying to unite all of the North and who's going to lead what and everything like that. I thought that was good. And Sansa's trying to get John to listen to her because she knows Cersei and blah, blah, blah. And I think he should listen to her to a degree, but I also think that John is right when he's like, look, we you are worried about seeing them all over here and we have got white walkers at our door so it's kind of we have to worry about our first bridge to cross it to get to the second one so i think a lot of that was interesting and of course everything with danny is fantastic so i really love the season premiere okay and i can't wait well for me um being hours behind um Jamie on the East Coast, I got a tweet that was like, your girl Sansa's a smart cookie. And I'm like, don't spoil anything for me. <laughs> but when we got to the scenes, uh, uh, my Sansa is obviously my favorite character. And when we got to those scenes, I knew exactly to which Jamie was referring because my first impression is just like the first six seasons, Jon Snow is an idiot. And unlike the first six seasons where Sansa started out as an idiot and a little uh, wide-eyed princess-type girl, she is now Cersei almost 2.0, and I am loving it. Absolutely loved it. Those were fantastic scenes for me. Let's dive a little bit more into the Starks. Um, Jon and Sansa is up are up north at uh, Winterfell. Arya is taking revenge on Frey, the phrase and running into Ed Sheeran. And Bran is at the wall. We didn't get to see a lot of Bran. Jamie, what was the best beats for you of this Stark sibling storylines? Well, I really do um, like the the rivalry that is uh, brewing between Sansa and Jon. I pray that it doesn't turn deadly or, you know, because it took us so long to get the Stark, to get any of the Stark um family members back together. <clears throat> I hope this doesn't become a full-on blood feud, of, especially with Littlefinger there trying to pull Sansa's strings. But uh, I think Sansa's a lot smarter than I thought, than I gave her credit for last year, because I thought Littlefinger was just going to be, you know, her puppet master like he's been before. But, you know, I loved how she basically said, you know, you can stop talking. I'll just assume you were about to say something clever when she shoots him down. But it was you know, epic, epic, epic. What? Yeah, Sansa. You know everything that Sansa has gone through has evolved her into, you know, a really smart uh, war strategist. And John, you know, it's. I was telling a friend, uh, a, a TV executive friend of mine that is a big fan of the show. You know, it's nature versus nurture is a big thing with me with Jon Snow, because even though we now know Ned was his uncle, not his father, he is every bit Ned Stark's son in every way that counts, because he, you know, he's he's like he's like Ned. He's like Rob. They follow this nobility um 
trajectory when no one else is being noble. And that's what thing I loved about what Sansa basically said to him is, you got to be smarter than Daddy and Rob because their noble asses lost their heads. And if you keep with this, no, it's not right to take a house away from people, the sons of, you know, it's like, you've got to think more like Cersei Lannister, which is you must punish, you must, you know, bring vengeance, you must show your fear, or, you know, you must show people that they must fear you for their, for the mistakes of their, you know, John is not there yet, because he's still noble and we must father said like the first six seasons well i don't think you know it's i don't think it's idiocy i think it's that you know they they descend from the first men and um you know even with his father and brother having lost their heads i think that's still entrenched in him this moral code that he you know whereas you know He's had it pretty rough, but he hasn't had, he's been a man having it rough in this world. It's, you know, it's so much worse for a woman um, in that type of society. And so Sansa has dealt with so much brutality that it's changed her perception of, you know, courtly behavior. And she, you know, she is a lot like Cersei. There was even a post on Huffy. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. There was even a post on the Huffington Post about how, or BuzzFeed, one of the two, about how um, Sansa's hairstyle in this episode mimicked early seasons of Cersei of, um, from mm-hmm. like seasons one or two. Jennifer, for me, I knew there was a change in Sansa. Was it last season or at the very end of season five when they were at the Vale and she comes down the stairs in that epic black gown Mm -hmm. for me that was when i knew that this was a woman who was coming into her own regardless of what she faced she was going to be a power to be reckoned with what did what was your favorite moments of the stark sibling storylines yeah i mean i think watching sansa has been a really fascinating transformation and i'm really glad they've been taking her as far as they have because they sure put her through a lot ramsey i was like oh man you're really gonna do that for her because that is a um digression from the books that does not happen in book world right the ramsey marriage is not doesn't happen um so i thought joffrey was enough but you know it's been interesting to see her kind of coming into her own now i'm very curious to see what part Littlefinger still has to play because you know he's not just hanging around to do nothing right right like, he, he, wa- he wants he, to rule the seven kingdoms yes like he's not just there for no reason and he you know he tends to operate behind the scenes and in ways that aren't always up front so I'm very curious to see and they do and Sansa and Littlefinger do have this interesting alliance she seems to have more of the power and the upper hand now but you, Littlefinger is useful for things, and they still need his soldiers. So I'm pretty interested to see what kind of deal she's willing to make. Because as we can tell, Sansa is more willing to do things that Jon is not, right? Which is in that thirsty kind of Lannister frame of mind. And she's um, also so willing to think curious. strategically because of last season when she saved mm-hmm. his ass. Yep, she is. And she so she quietly has a lot of the power. Um, one of my favorite moments by far was um, where Arya was hanging out with Ed Sheeran, and she goes, I'm going to kill the queen. And they all laugh like it's a joke. And you're like, nah, she's dead serious. She's going to kill the queen. 
I loved that, <laughs> that everyone underestimates her. She's this little girl alone in the woods. But, oh, my God, she is a stone-cold assassin now that can, like, wear any face. So then I'm all like, is she going to put Jamie's face on and kill Jamie? Yes. Like, what is that going to be? <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, talk that's about my theory. That's my theory. Yeah, that's what that'll I'm satisfy the, the prophecy from Maggie the Frog. And, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I, well, I, I wonder if it'll happen this season, though, because something tells me Cersei will make it to the end. Because as big of a threat as the mm-hmm. White Walkers are, I think they kind of need Cersei as the big bad all the way through to the yep. end. But so, yeah. Oh, now- one thing that gets me um, about the Starks now, because I've, I've been waiting because a lot, you know, technically with Bran being alive, John isn't the Lord of Winterfell. I know Luke wants Sansa to be the, the lady of, of the North. I want her to be the but- wardness of the North. But with Bran alive, he's technically the Lord of Winterfell because he's the oldest male That's heir. Right. And, you know, it's funny how That's the right. how the cell uh, service works in Westeros with the Ravens. <laughs> because, like, you know, Cersei's like, all, she knows everything that Danny's up to. She's like telling Jamie, you know, Daenerys Targaryen is on her way here. Blah blah blah. But it's like, <laughs> so the wall is supposed to be relatively close to Winterfell, and I'm like, ain't nobody sent a raven to let everybody know. Oh, <laughs> y'all, brother is alive. <laughs> well, that's she's no, probably to, using the same think... people that Varys is using to teleport himself around from continent to continent and end up oh with God. Danny on a ship at the end of last season. Uh, Mel. No, and I, I agree with that. I had logic issues too with like Cersei knowing all these things that you're like, but what? Shouldn't other people know some of these moving pieces too? Yeah, I had the same. Where's the Ravens? Mel, you are our mm-hmm. rocker on the podcast. Um, so, in addition to getting your thoughts on the Stark children, what did you think of Ed Sheeran in the fact that he ended up having to quit t- Twitter because people were so upset about it? Me personally, I didn't mind his cameo. It didn't bother me at all. It wasn't anything that really took me out of it too much. What did you think? So my initial reaction, because we don't see him first, we just hear him singing. And I was like, who is this singing in the middle of the forest in the snow in Game of Thrones? And I was like, oh, it's Ed Sheeran. Okay. I mean, I guess. I mean, I did I think it was necessary? No, we didn't need that. But it, it's fine for what it was. Like, I think he's a good singer. He's a good entertainer. That's cool for what it is. I don't know why we needed him on Game of Thrones, but okay. It, it's whatever. Um... As for all the Stark kids, um, I agree with uh, what a lot of everyone else is saying, that Sansa is kind of starting to come into her own. She still gets on my last good nerve, but mm-hmm. she's, she's getting there. She's starting to get there. Um, I want to see, because right now it's a lot of John and a lot of Sansa and how they're you know, working through things with the North, but they don't know about Arya yet, right? Mm-mm. No. No. No, none of them know. Nobody does. Exactly. So I want to know how she's going to factor into all of this, especially now since she's, you know, the faceless woman. She's got all these extra superpowers and everything. Um, so I think that would be an interesting dynamic to see how Arya factors into all of this. See, I'm worried that Arya might try to kill Sansa because, you know, she's. 
people different now, and mm-hmm. there was never any love lost between them. And I think she, like, if Arya, like, if, you know, because Arya is more forceful and vocal mm-hmm. now, you know, I think she would make that girl snap. <laughs> what, but what would, well, I guess my question would be is why would she have Sansa on her list? Uh dire wolf dead uh, lying and to protect Joffrey uh, being the one that wanted to marry Joffrey you know when dad was like I don't know about this you're too young oh please father please let's all go to King's Landing so I can marry Joffrey my thought would have been that she would realize that they were both very young when all that happened but you never know Uh, Arya doesn't Mm -hmm. strike me as very rational right now she has she wants to pay back the people who yeah. ruined, you know, her idyllic life on Winterfell. And Sansa, even though she was a kid, played a role in that. Jamie, we got to see a cuts of the White Walkers, which included giants coming towards the wall. Meanwhile, down south, Cersei and Jamie are debating the, the, the politics of who they're going to battle next. And Euron shows up. I know you love yourself some Cersei, maybe not as much as Danny, but what did you think of the Lannister storyline? I love to hate Cersei. Cersei is like one of the greatest TV villains ever, but I can't wait for Cersei to get hers. I just want it to be at the very last episode because she makes watching the show, she gives me someone to root against. Um, Yeah, Euron, look, had a, a nice medieval bath and a trim and, you know, got himself together, put on some medieval Drakkar Noir um, <laughs> to come a-courting with his ships. And I thought that was, you know, I love that, yes, Cersei even knew that. She knew that he wanted a wife and, you know, she rejected him. Now, the big thing that scared me, because this show is so great with foreshadowing, um, when he said he's going to return with, you know, this prize for her, my first thought is, oh, Lord, please, Tyrion, stay just as close to Danny as possible. P- stay close to her and Grey Worm. And Mise- don't be wandering off trying to be in some nasty village with the hookers because you know that would be the big prize she'd want is her, her little brother that she hates. So that was my big fear is like, please keep Tyrion. Because, you know, Tyrion, they love to kidnap Tyrion and put him in a sack and take him off places. So I'm like, please, Tyrion, stay right next to Danny and all three of her dragons so that Euron cannot spirit you back to Cersei. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what his prize that he plans to deliver back to Cersei is. And, I mean, I'm I was thinking like, it was possibly going to be Arya, but how would he know that she exists? Well, the thing of it is, yo, he don't want to mess with Arya right now. Arya would gut him like a fish. Arya just killed 50 men in a room. It is not season one anymore where they can just snatch up Arya. I have no, I'm worried about Tyrion because his his defense mechanism is his mind. I wouldn't mind him getting Arya because Arya would end up killing everybody in King's Landing and be okay. But no, um, yeah, I the thing that I'm the what I'm wondering is because you know this is only we have five more episodes of this half of the season and it's you know it seems like they're gonna deal with everything they set up in this season. So I'm just really interested from the writing perspective how they're gonna like get all of these plot points in five more episodes. I mean, it's probably going to be like, 
you know, the most epic miniseries since like Roots or on the bright or, side, all the peripheral characters are dead, and it's, we're down to the lean meat of the characters. Yeah, so it, it makes it are, easier. It, it really is like we're you know pretty much POV characters. Um, that though are they better not kill Granny Tyrell because I will throw a fit. Uh, well, she <laughs> called her an old cunt. <laughs> you heard it. Je- Jennifer, um, what did you think of Cersei, Jamie, and the Greyjoys? Well, I was like, you're on all emo. I was like, he needs some black fingernail polish and a tool t-shirt. I was like, uh, he looks like a rocker. Um, I love Cersei. I share the love for Cersei. She is one of the most fun POV characters to read in the books because she's so bad and it's so great. Um, I did think that the dialogue was a little, like, cheesy, where Jamie was all like, we need to talk about our son who killed himself. And she's like, hey, no big deal. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, because yep. the Tillman thing last season was so hardcore, at least I thought it was, um, that I thought that got brushed over a little more than maybe made sense to me. Um, but obviously there's tension brewing between Cersei and Jamie, and we know Jamie has the ability to come out of the Lannister thing a little bit. So I'm really curious to see how that plays out. When Euron proposed, I was like, you don't know what you're messing with. <laughs> you know? Like Black this is Widow. a woman who Ooh, I was like, you want to marry her? Are you cray? Um, but I'll be curious. I have a feeling Tyrion is what he's gone to get as well. And I think that it might be a device to get Tyrion back to the Red Keep, because my guess is they'll bring him alive, because that's more interesting for Cersei. But I'm curious to see, because then we're pitting Greyjoys against Greyjoys, right? Because the Greyjoys, the other ones, are with Danny, Danny and yes. Tyrion. Yeah, and this family, this this whole show at heart is it's a Greek tragedy. It's a it's interfamilial dynamics, all of it. So I think you always have to think of it from that perspective. Um, but I'm super curious to see how it all comes to a head. And I mean, at what point are they all going to have to like put some of this aside because the White Walkers are going to overwhelm everything, right? Yep. Like, at what point are certain allegiances going to need to be forged? in the face of something that is so great and so insurmountable and um, mythic, you know? So I'm real curious to see who will side with who. Yeah. And the Tyrells, we're not accounting for them yet. What, what are they going to do? Where's, where's grandma Tyrell? Absolutely. So, yeah, I want to see I, how it all comes together. I better get granny Tyrell in a couple episodes this season. Uh, last season, it was fantastic because Marjorie was there. And so we got to see granny Tyrell a lot, but I love myself an old diva. And if this season doesn't have granny Tyrell, I'm going to be very upset. Mel, what did Same. you think of the La- Lannisters and Euron? I really like the whole exchange between Euron and Cersei. Cause you know, Euron comes in and he's just really <laughs> cocky guy. And, like uh, Jennifer said, he's a little emo too, but he's got this huge fleet of ships. And the only thing he wants is Cersei. He wants some of that Cersei Badisi. And Cersei is like, if you don't get the entire F up out of my castle right now. Like she is so through with him. So I think that's really interesting. And then the dynamic between Cersei and Jamie. I feel like that's changed so much since the beginning of the series, especially Jamie going through everything where he lost his hand and he was hanging with Bryn and everything and all of their children are dead. And Cersei's like, you know, I got this. I'm going to do this. I want revenge for my children. And Jamie's like, yeah, yeah, all that. That's fine and all. But what are we going to do? Because we have to have a plan. So... I think that's going to come into play big time, you know, towards the end, Cersei and Jamie. 
Um, and then, you know, going back to the Greyjoys, too, I like the idea of Greyjoys versus Greyjoys. Like, where does your allegiance truly lie? So it'll be interesting. Jennifer, um, while a lot of people reacted negatively towards Ed on the show, the my least favorite part of the episode was Samwell's emptying shit for a whole bunch of time. <laughs> and yep. I'm like, why did I just waste that many minutes of the show that only has so few episodes in the season worrying about him emptying porta potties? It drove me insane. But we got to see Jorah. A hint Bed of him. Pants. Yeah. If Bed... he wasn't empty, yeah. porta potty. <laughs> Whatever. Regardless of what you want to call it, Chamber he, he, he was emptying shit and urine. But Jennifer, what did you think of Samwell's little portion of the thing? Because it's unforgettable. That's certainly true. I mean, I sort of think I love Samwell as a character. Um, I think people who read the books, he's one of the favorites. And I feel he's a character that's been a little underserviced at times by the television show. And it's partially because he's not flashy and he's a little, you know, nerdy and like kind of a sidekick to John who takes a lot of attention. Um, I have long wanted to see the Citadel. I've long wanted to see what goes on there. So I think that's interesting. That montage though drove me nuts. I closed my eyes. I looked away. I said, tell me when this is done. I think it was too much. I think it could have been a quarter as long and had as much impact. You know, I think they wasted time and I think they totally grossed me out in ways that I didn't need to be grossed out. Um, that said, um, I'm really curious to see about Jim Broadbent as the maester. Um, I think he's going to obviously play a big role. He's too big of an actor to have been cast to be a tossaway, I think. Um, I'm real curious to see what happens with Jorah. Um, some people have pointed out um, that it seems that the dragon glass um, is what can be used to cure grayscale. So it seems yep. like Jorah... Yep, so it seems like that all has to come to a head. And then someone else pointed out that there was a book that was being read um, that was about Azor Azai, the uh, Lord of Light savior, the one who vanquished the White Walkers last time around. Um, and there's a lot of talk now about if that could be Jon Snow. I mean, some people think it could be Danny, But I'm thinking, you know, because Jon came back. Um, and I'm curious as to what extent is he still Jon Snow or not? Because I read an interview um, with George R. R. Martin recently that I thought was really fascinating. And he was complaining about Lord of the Rings and how Gandalf when he kind of, okay, so the way he got the idea to kill a main character two-thirds through his first book was because of Gandalf in Fellowship of the Ring. Because when he read that, he didn't know Gandalf was coming back. And he was like, holy crap, they killed Gandalf. What? But he didn't like when Gandalf came back that he was unchanged by having died. So that seems to be a big theme in terms of um, Game of Thrones, where characters come back. Um, there's something different about them. So I'm really curious to see how all the Citadel, Sam, Dragonglass, Azor's Eye, Lord of Light, Jon Snow all comes to play because we know that's all going to filter together. So I don't know. There were a lot of interesting puzzle pieces, but yeah, I could have done without the length of that opening montage. I was like, geez, or less of the close-ups, the extreme close-ups, you know? Yeah, I agree. Jamie, what did, <laughs> what did you think of Samwell and the Meister, Maesters? I thought, um, yeah, like everyone else, I thought it was too long. Um, I feel like it was just there, you know, as Jennifer mentioned, um, uh, you know, with the Greek tragedy, I think that he was just serving as their court jester or their, um, you know, <laughs> uh, comic relief character. But yeah, I did think, okay, if we're if we're on an economy of scale, 
in terms of time, this kind of seems a bit silly. <laughs> Do you think that it's possible that the reason why they gave him that much emphasis was for the revelation that the, all the dragon glasses at Danny's castle? Well, I think that, yeah, but I, yeah, they could have done that, you know, fairly quickly the way that they, you know, d handled the death of Cersei and Jamie's baby. You know, they, they could have just, you know, been True. like, Oh my God, I'm reading in this book and look, the dragon glasses at the Dragonstone. I won't say that was one of the things, well, you know, whereas, I mean, we've been watching this for a while now, but I thought that was really convenient. It's like, oh, dragon glass yeah. at Dragonstone. It's like, they are yeah. kind of like going, okay, let's just, let's just get to the end <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Because it's not that, you I'm... know, if, if the dragon glass was at, um, what's the Lannister's home? Um, the Red Keep. Um, the Red Keep. The Red Keep. There would be a little more suspense, like, oh my God, we have to get to the Red Keep to. No, not the Red Keep. Not that. Not in King's Landing. No, where the, the Lannisters are actually from. Um. Um. um oh, uh, they're, they're the place that Tyrion was supposed to get but didn't. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You it. know, or or one of you know. So if it was at, you know, because you know, I foresee there being a conflict between. Danny and you know John and the crew, but it'll probably be worked out pretty quickly because Tyrion will be there to say no, no, Sansa was my wife, she's good, and Jon Snow, we traveled to the Wall together. So you know, even even if there is any like momentary like mistrust, the the good guys will probably all quickly come together, you know. Um, so yeah. That's a little convenient that it's there. Although, you know, Danny has proven over the years to be stubborn when she doesn't want to listen. So there could be a situation where she's like spending a couple of episodes being like, no, you can't have my dragon glass, <laughs> you know, until the White Walkers are like right if upon she, them. If she finds out that it's there, depends on who tells her. Mel, what did you think of Samwell's story? So my initial reaction when I saw this baby empty in chamber pots was, didn't you kill a white walker? What are you doing? <laughs> like, for real? You're just going to do that? Okay, that's fine. I um, could have gone without the montage being so long, but I guess mm -hmm. it did serve its purpose. You know, it's getting us to Danny, which is where we want to be to Danny. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just need Sam to snap out of it and quit being a punk. I was mad at Jorah. I was mad at Jorah because you know Grayscale is contagious. So yeah. when he reached out there at um, <laughs> Sam, hey. I was yelling at the TV, don't be trying to touch people. You know you've got the Grayscale. <laughs> well, and I would like to know how he ended up there. Well, she told him to go get fixed. So where else would you go? But, I mean, that's like the... You know, that's like the... Um, but I guess my question is, is he there against his will the or is he voluntarily? <laughs> well, true. He's at the CDC. Now, the Citadel is basically like, where would, you, where would you go to get healthy again? So, you know, I guess, you know, he's at John Hopkins of Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about everybody's favorite character except for mine, Danny. 
<laughs> um, everybody loves Danny. She arrived at her boat. She walks in, gets to walk into an empty castle. There's no fight or anything for it. She just gets to walk. I, I don't she like just, the disdain in your voice. She when just gets to walk in and get this castle for free. We, sp- I mean, it's just Let Danny. And then, and, then, and then on top of it all, she's sitting on the stockpile of dragon glass, which is what's going to be used to defeat it. Not only does she get an empty castle, but she gets the dragon glass, which is the key to defeating everybody. Tweeting lies. Poor, poor Daddy. Everything comes easy to her. Are you kidding me? She was her family was slaughtered when she was a baby. She had to be spirited away in the night by Varys. Her evil brother sold her into a marriage to a rapey guy. Everything post her coming out of the fire with the dragons has been a steady march of Danny winning with a few little speed bumps along the way. Speed bumps. She can barely control those dragons. One of them flew her away to safety and then was like, bye, mama. I'm going to see you later. So she got kidnapped again by another cow. Um, and then she had to overcome them. Danny has had just as much to overcome as your precious Sansa, my friend. Uh, if you compare her arc to other characters' arcs, she has had very little character development. She's always the same. Um, I'm my way or the highway type Stop. look. Excuse uh, me? So she went Mal- from being raped repeatedly to being the freaking queen as because I she's s- Daenerys Targaryen. As I, I said, this was her post, like, I agree that she went through a lot in the first season. My point is, is that post coming out of the fire with the dragons, her arc has very, has been a pretty much a straight line with a few bumps. She learned from being breaker of, remember when she was all, I'm breaker of chains, and she saw that you cannot just break chains without coming up with a new system. That almost destroyed her. She most definitely has had a character change. Her character has evolved immensely. To say she's not had any character change, in the la- that's, absurd she went from a meek little girl i don't want to be married to the freaking queen of the universe that is quite the character arc i'm sorry well what are you what are you what are you thinking of danny and arriving at the castle because i know i'm on an island of one maybe two when it comes to danny but what did you think of that because i know a lot of danny fans loved it i think it was i mean i think it was totally like uh, Clark Kent getting to that ice castle mm-hmm. for the first time. I mean, she, this is her ancestral home that she has been away from her entire life. I mean, she was born there during a supernatural storm and, you know, she was born to privilege and royalty, but she's had one of the least privileged lives of anyone. Like when the show began, the Stark girls were still nobility. She and her brother were the beggar prince and princess. And, you know, this from that point to now, seeing her commanding the army of the Unsullied and having all of these alliances and all of this power and to finally return home, I think that's an epic, epic trajectory. And I was happy for her when she sat there and touched the sand and went in, oh, and when she turns around to Tyrion and says... Shall we begin? It was like, ah! <laughs> Mel, what did you think? 
So you hear Jamie scream? That's uh, exactly how I felt about it because that was me the whole scene. I was just the screaming like, yes, she's home. Touch the, touch the sand. It's yours. The castle's yours. You finally made it. I was here for all of it. Anytime I get to see Danny, I'm excited. Uh, she's finally home. She's sitting on all the Dragonstone, which Jamie has pointed out that it is the key to defeating everyone. I'm excited. She has all the power. Let's do this. Jennifer, what did you think? I thought the sequence was so cinematic and beautifully shot. I loved that there was just silence and no speaking until the let's begin. Um, and I thought it was super iconic. Um, I think the callback to Fortress of Solitude and Superman was apt. All of that said, and listening to all the disagreements on Danny, where I fall out on Danny is she's really fun to root for, but I have these real moral questions about her, which is she's almost so presented as being one thing I'm really curious if they're going to flip her to be an antagonist and, and what I mean by that is Targaryens are known to be terrible rulers right like we know the Mad King like they're good at conquering they're terrible at ruling and Danny is leading an invading army of outsiders to Westeros right um, there is a version of Danny where she is ultimately the big bad person. Um, so I'm very curious to see if they end up flipping her or questioning her moral integrity at all or her desires. Because what you have is, you know, the Targaryens being overthrown originally, like they were overthrown with cause, right? That was Ned Stark and Robert Baratheon and an uprising because of the Mad King. So I'm just so curious to see. I mean, we know that she's going to hook up with Jon Snow and there's going to be some probably amorous situation there. Um, but it's Hi, Auntie. You know, some of these... you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Targaryens like Targaryens. Yeah. So that's like a plus for them. That's like a good thing, right? It's like they don't sleep with people they aren't related to, right? So like, um, yeah, exactly. I'm So I'm super curious. There's a lot of incest throughout the show. Um, I'm curious as to who's going to ride those dragons. Got a lot of theories. I'm like, Tyrion, right. is he going to ride a dragon? Tyrion, you know, John, um, and, and Danny are the, is the... I'd ride John's dragon. Ah! Oh, Mel's getting thirsty. <laughs> I sure he would. He engaged. Wait, did you see he got engaged? John yep. No, you know nothing. Oh, yeah. They got engaged. Oh, you know nothing, They're John. Cute. No. No. He, he knows he something nothing. now. I love them. I just, you know, look, I don't want anybody else to come back from the dead, but if the red people could oh, find yeah. her. <laughs> well, um, oh, and we didn't even discuss the wildling with Brienne. I'm like, can they please? Like, he is so in love with her. They just I, thank you, time. Jen. Because face. every time he see, he gets this goofy smile. He like, hey, how you doing? You you looking good? I like your armor. I like you. You just said the <laughs> when she was training Podrick. You are yes. lucky, man. <laughs> I, I love all of that. I love that wilding dude so much. Thank you so much, Jennifer, because we're, we got a little bit of time here. So before we get to our fearless predictions, I just wanted to go around the circle. Is there anything in the episode, whether it's Tormund and Brienne or someone else, little things or big things that jumped out at e each of you for that we haven't discussed? Jennifer, how about you go first? Um, the big thing that made me like whoa and sad at the same time was one one is a White Walker. Aww. One one, mm -hmm. right? Did you guys notice him? Oh, in the that big one? yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a White Walker now, and I I love his character. So I was just like, oh man. Anyways, um, and I just I want more Bran. Can we have more Bran? I want Bran to do more. 
Okay. Uh, fearless, or not fearless predictions, but anything that you um, thought, Mel, that we haven't discussed? The Hound. Ooh, good oh, one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I oh, thought yeah, all of that one. was really interesting, and especially him having to look into the fire to see mm-hmm. everything that's coming, and you know how he feels about fire. It's the one thing he's like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I got to go. I can't do this. So I think... Mm-hmm him seeing the visions and the fire is going to come into play big time somehow, but I'm not exactly sure how it's going to be shocking, whatever it is. So I thought that was poignant. Jamie, one of yeah, the, and pe- the Lord of light. Yes. That, that was one of the things for me that I thought was sort of missing was where was Melisandre? Jamie, what, mm-hmm. what about the episode um, was something that we haven't discussed that you want to touch on? Well, one thing that I, you know, I guess I just thought and that, you know, she quickly dispelled me of that was I assumed um, this season would quickly lead to all of the Starks being back together. But I chuckled when Arya announced her travel plans because I'm like, oh, she's that close because, you know, the Riverlands are supposedly fairly close to Winterfell. And I'm like, oh, you are not even trying (laughs) to go see your sister and brother. You are on a mission. So that was kind of like, oh, dang, you know, because I did kind of, you know, want this big, more so with her and Jon, because, you know, as much fun as it's been to see Jon and Sansa, you know, Jon and Arya had such a great relationship. So, you know, I did kind of want that moment. And to see, for him to basically take a look at what, the little girl he made needle for has morphed into i mean you talk about the person who should be ruling the starks like you know offensive that's the one that's to me Arya is the most badass stark and i will admit you know i love danny but Arya has supplanted danny as my top favorite heroine of the show. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. She just gets it done. She doesn't have time for strategies. Luke can tell you this. I don't like meetings. It's like... (laughs) Or emails. Let's just go kill up some people. We can talk about it later. We can have a debrief later. I'm just going to go get it done. That's my type of girl. I'm like, yes, yes. Let's just kill up folks. (laughs) She's going to kill the queen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Announce your plan, sister girl. She is like, yes, I'm taking her out. I'm well, going to do <laughs> for, for me, a few of the things about the season premiere, um, Melisandre being missing was something that sort of stuck yep. out to me because she played such a pivotal role in the last half of last season. Brienne and Toman, I love those scenes. Those were some of my favorite chuckle scenes or heartwarming scenes of it. The other thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is I, he is a fantastic character, but last season I was disappointed with Tyrion because for the most part, he was relegated to walking around that city with Varys and he had really bad jokes and only somewhat decent advice. So for me personally, I'm really hoping that Tyrion in this coming season gets to be the character that I love so much in the first five seasons. So I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't get to see him um, have as big a role in the first episode, but considering how the episode ended with Danny getting the castle and that epic line and then cutting to black, I understand why he wasn't as prominent, 
but I really hope. I bet he'll be huge tonight. Because if you know, I mean, you know, and uh, Jennifer, you know that our other world Mm -hmm. is daytime soap opera. And so there have been a lot of think pieces written, which I know it would make most like, you know, revered critics cringe. But there have been so many think pieces written about how Game of Thrones is really a highbrow soap opera. And it really is structured that way. I mean, and the fact that, you know, in, in in true soap opera, especially like I don't I don't like in Game of Thrones to I, to daytime soaps, but it definitely has that old Dallas Knots Landing way of structuring episodes. And so, if you think back to that era of you know the juicy primetime soaps, whoever was the tag of one Friday show will be huge in the next episode. So I'm fearing, you know, I think we're gonna launch mm-hmm. with a lot of Danny. And Tyrion and Grey Worm and Masandi oh. and varies this episode tonight. Okay. Hey, Nymeria! Nymeria! The wolf. Isn't back. that one of the wolves? Whose wolf yeah, was that? Yeah, that's Arya's wolf, man. Oh! Out there. No! He's got a whole pack. He's got a pack yes! that she leads. And I just think Arya's got to get with Nymeria. They got a warg. And I think Arya's got to go to King's Landing. With Nymeria yeah. and a warg pack of wolves. I'm just like, how rad would that be? Oh. The Starks, the North remembers, like, go in there, get Cersei, right? See, I that love that. Pack, who would have ever thought that? Who would have ever thought that Jamie Giddens would love the science and or the yeah. fantasy elements of warging with a oh, wolf? You know That's I, the name of their pack is the North Remembers. It has to be. So. No, I know. I'm yeah. making comment about the fact that it Jamie gives fun. me such a hard time about yeah. science fiction and fantasy. I love those wolves, though. You understand? I'm like, if I could find a dog that would attack somebody like that for me, I'd be walking around Atlanta with him. Oh, did you cut me off in traffic? Stop the car. Get out. Get out. Get out, uh, Nymeria. Get him. No. <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap this up with some fearless predictions. Um, what are do you guys think is going to be the most unexpected death of the season and what other predictions do you have for the season because now we're past the books in a lot of elements so anything can happen mel what is your fearless prediction for the season well i was gonna say i don't know who's gonna die because this show is just so unpredictable in that way I, I think we've lost enough Starks, so we can hold off on that. <laughs> I think it's going to be somebody from Danny's side that's not going to make it, because I don't think we've had a lot of deaths there. You know, there's been a lot of slaughtering and things, but nobody, like, super close to her, so I think somebody might get it there. I do think Danny is going to reach King's Landing maybe at the end of these six, seven episodes, but we're going to see everything that goes down until they come back again. Um, but I do think she's going to need help. And that's going to come in the form of John. So we'll see. One of, I don't know if it's going to happen this season, but it would not shock me in the least if Tyrion ends up dead by the end of the series. Jennifer, what Mm. is, what is your fearless prediction for this season? I don't really know exactly who, what's going to happen or who I think Jon Snow is Azora's eye. And I think that's a whole Lord of light situation. I think Cersei, I would not be shocked at the end of this run Cersei goes. And I think Arya kills her as Jaime, um, with Jaime's face on. It would just not shock me. And then the next part, we're going to do White Walkers, Fire and Ice, Dragons versus White Walkers. Um, You know, I'm really, really curious. I mean, for me, my heart ending for the show, because as we know, everyone can die. I would love if everyone basically dies at the end and we we leave with Tyrion on the Iron Throne at the end of all of it. 
So that's what I would personally love to see because I think it just sums up the whole universe of Game of Thrones the Darkness. I think Tyrion is probably the most classic distillation of Westeros, of all of these bloodlines. Um, and I like that he's smart but not physically able. And there's just something about what if he won in the end? The Game of Thrones, because that's really who is on the Iron Throne at the end. I really want to see an inversion where Danny is maybe made into an antagonist. I think it would be interesting. Um, Targaryens, but I don't know. It could go any, any way. I don't know what the showrunners are going to do. I don't know what George had planned. I don't know if they're even on the same page. Um, and where's the book? Come on. <laughs> Jamie, um, one of the other things that I think I think Littlefinger is going to bite it this season. Um, Sansa is going to have to have her moment where she takes over the veil because if if mm. if Bran comes back and ends up being the person for um, Winterfell, Sansa is becoming powerful in her own right, and as long as she's overshadowed by Jon or by Bran. She has a claim to the veil, and that her cousin could easily bite it if Littlefinger killed him. What are your fearless predictions? I, I think you're you're projecting your Sansa. Love it's entirely possible. No way. It's she entirely has any claim possible. To the veil, that little weird. Her, it's boy her who, aunt. Her. It's her aunt. Mother's teeth until he was twenty is the heir to the veil. But if Littlefinger uh, killed that kid off, there's only so many people left. The nearest. Um, Aaron relative. No, there would be a cousin Aaron. Sansa has no claim to the veil, Luke. I'm totally, it's totally possible my Sansa love is influencing my opinion. I feel we'll have another Hodor type death where a beloved character mm. um, will die that is, you know, not a POV character. I feel like John, Arya, Sansa, Cersei. Tyrion, Danny will all be in the in the series finale next year. So I think that all of those characters that have the biggest stakes will make it to the final season. I think that you know Samuel could die. I think that you know now that he's served his purpose, which is going to the Citadel and learning what can you know help John. I could totally see a scene where he dies in John's arms. Um, I could see Brienne of Tarth dying. You know, I, I totally could see one of our beloved, you know, Grey Worm or Missandei. You know, I could see, you know, one of our big POV characters losing someone special to them. But I don't think we're in any danger of losing Danny or Tyrion or Cersei. Jamie could die because I think Jamie is that for Cersei. Um, mm. but, but I actually think I agree with Jennifer. I think that, you know, in fact, I was, I've been spouting that theory to every one of my friends. It's like, I, I totally think that that's how Arya will fulfill that prophecy. I think she'll take yes. either Jamie's face or Tyrion's face. And, you know, now she's you the same never, height as Tyrion almost. Jennifer this because I got into this argument with one of my friends who knows the world of the books a lot better than me so to take a face does that person have to be dead or can she just take does she have the power to take faces of people who are still alive great question and I don't know the answer we've only I think seen her do dead people but remember who trained her he did a lot of faces but the house of the black and white had all those heads all those faces I think maybe they do have to be dead. That's a fantastic question, though. I don't know. 
I'm gonna have to find to out. Her to take her mother's face and just freak everybody out. You know, and then, you'll you know, finally get your Lady Stoneheart. Then, at least, you know, have a little Ooh. glimpse. If Caitlin, yeah, if, actually, if Caitlin came oh, back in the Catelyn. form of Sansa, yeah. Okay. Well, actually, George said in his recent interview that his biggest disagreement with the showrunners was their decision to cut Lady Catelyn as the Avenging yes, Ghost out of the show. Yes. It was, look, let me just say, when I first learned of that story arc and read mm-hmm. up on it, I became obsessed with it because I'm like, oh, cat coming so back, cool. a zombie assassin, and we never got it. We never got mm-hmm. it. It's only in the books. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, and, and I, cool. you know, I'm a big Gone with the Wind fan, and you know, I always joke about, you know, it's like Scarlet had like 40 kids in the book, but we only see, you know, Bonnie, Bonnie Blue. So I guess that it's really difficult to try to adapt um, every story, especially with something like Game of Thrones, with you know, so many storylines and story arcs. And, and like Jennifer was saying, like in the book, wasn't the Sansa Ramsey story like some other northern girl who was pretending to be a Stark? There's elements yeah, it's of that. um, it's yeah, it's it's her name's uh, Jane Pooley, Jean Pooley, and she is fake Arya. There's a fake Arya, and they wed her to Ramsey to hold Winterfell. Yes, so that is correct. It's not Sansa. As far as we know in book world, Sansa was still in the veil with Littlefinger. Jennifer, as we wrap this podcast up, where can people find you on Facebook and Twitter? Check out your book. And if you are like, do you have any cities that you can tell people where you're going to be? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Jennifer Brody. Um, Facebook, I'm Jennifer Brody Writer. Um, I am also on Instagram, Jennifer Brody Writer. Uh, I have a website, jenniferbrody.com. Um, the United Continuums, the third book is out. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I will be in San Diego on July 29th at 4 p.m. doing a book launch at Mysterious Galaxy. So if you're in the area, come hang out. There are going to be some fabulous, cool people there. Um, yes, yeah, so I am all over, bouncing around. Yeah, and you should definitely follow her on Instagram. I I do, and it's always fun to see where you're popping up with your little events. It's fantastic. Jamie, Thanks, they can Luke. find. I appreciate it. Oh, as uh, it's wonderful to have you on, uh, Jamie. They can find you at twitter.com slash Jamie underscore Giddens, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they can. And they can also help me out by downloading um, or uh, getting the new app for Urban Movie Channel because the six-part comedy series, The Rich and the Ruthless, which I co-wrote with soap star Victoria Rao debuts July 28th, The Rich and the Ruthless, Urban Movie Channel, be there. It starts next Friday. Mel, where can they find you on Twitter? Find me at my name at Melody Akles on Twitter. I don't have anything exciting after that because I just go to work and come home. Uh, so if, if you anybody put your Game of to... Thrones photos up on Twitter, those are definitely worth checking I out. I did. Those because are you're fun. straight up pimping. <laughs> well, as always, you can find me at Luke underscore Kerr. Uh, you can follow this podcast at uh, twitter.com slash GK Confidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash GK Confidential. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, Bye. y'all. Winter is here. Bye. Thanks, everyone. You guys rock. Winter is here. The North remembers. <laughs>